to the Broplis podcast. As usual, I am joined with Nathan. And after a roller coaster week for Middlesbrough Football Club, we have a roller coaster podcast in store. Nathan, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been some really quite good things going on this week. There's also been some pretty negative stuff going on, to put it lightly, I think. Um, but yeah, how are you before we, we delve into quite a fair amount of topics? Because I think this podcast is going to be a busy one. Yeah, I'm all right, Chris. Um yeah, it's going to be a strange podcast. It's been a strange week, obviously. Uh, for anyone that actually listened to last week's podcast, they'll have known um, that mine and your moods were very negative, particularly mine, after last week's performance. And then we dived into Monday and the working week and just strolled on. You had a midweek game which completely sapped any sort of positivity uh, around my week out of me. And then travelling down the country yesterday to top of the league away from home with absolutely no faith whatsoever. And just when you've got no faith at all, you think like that the club are going to lose you and your belief for the rest of the season. They just come and suck you straight back in just that little bit. And uh yeah, they've they've kind of done that to me, but they're gonna have to follow it up with um something a little bit more than yesterday's result, I think, to get me back on side. But yeah, other than that, I'm all right, Chris. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um obviously, despite all that's gone on this week it's always hard to sort of not get yourself a little bit giddy when you get a result like you do yesterday um i think before we delve into it i've already got the title of this podcast absolutely sorted and of course it's just going to be typical borough i mean of of late it, it really has been that phrase to a t to be honest and yeah, as we said in the intro, really, some good, some bad. But uh, I, I think we'll dive straight into it because, obviously, given the timing of last week's podcast, we, we usually record on a Sunday. We did last week and then upload on the Monday night. So, of course, when we uploaded last week and we were getting a few questions as to our thoughts on the season ticket prices and all of the controversy surrounding that, we weren't our, uh, sorry. We weren't able to give our opinions in the previous podcast because obviously we recorded prior to that. However, we get our opportunity now. Obviously, there's been various sort of little updates and bits of news since then, but I think it's best just to go back to Monday, the start of the working week, as you said, and a whole host of season ticket holders and those that are subscribed to various. Um, Middlesbrough sort of email outlets, I guess, had an email drop into their inboxes basically saying, here are the season ticket prices for the early bird scheme. They have increased. If you want one, you can have one. If not, well, it doesn't really matter because there was no thank you for our previous support for the club. There was no thank you for 
the continued support over the years obviously some people may have had season tickets for varying lengths of time but there was no personalization there was no real sort of marketing or, or pr com- uh, campaign around the uh, the news that the early birds had arrived at an earlier date that they have done previously and of course as well as the increased price uh, across the age demographics uh, again there was initially a shortening of the period that Middlesbrough fans had to renew their tickets for the early bird pricing scheme so Nathan obviously I think we both were at first and like many others perhaps most annoyed with the fact that there was a limited time basically in the turnaround between being able to basically pay the money to get your early bird price on the season tickets. Since then, that has been put back. So straight away, I think that probably doesn't need to be covered because it's been changed. And although Middlesbrough got it horrendously wrong at first, they have backtracked and they have put that back. However, there is a whole host of other issues at hand here. There is the timing of the announcement. There is the lack of thanks or sort of explanation um, as to why people should be putting out that amount of money for these tickets. Initially, there was very, very limited or near enough, no explanation as to why the tickets had increased again. And obviously, as I say, the timing of it was horrendous, to be honest, to put it nicely. Where are you at with everything to do with season tickets? Because as I say, that sort of early bird date has been put back a little bit, which is a a positive but there's still a lot of issues at hand here. We'll obviously get into statements from fan groups that have since made their feelings very much known about the pricing and the rest of it. But personally, you know, as a as a paying fan yourself and interest excuse me, interestingly, someone that is moving in the pricing categories this year because of your age, how would you assess this whole situation? Yeah, well, I think with that, as you mentioned there, I'm someone that has previously been in uh, the 18 to 21 concession um, bracket. So obviously last year, my season ticket as a early bird renewer last year was £310 uh, for this season. And obviously moving into an adult price this year, it was always going to increase. I was completely aware of that. And... Yeah, it, it it for where we sit in the ground, obviously a lot of people have been speaking about these renewals. A lot of people, it's been five hundred and ten uh for for these people uh that sit in the south stand and the north stand as well. Um, but for me and yourself, it'll be five hundred and eighty quid sat in the west stand, and yeah, it's it's a lot of money. It it really is, and I think. It's one of those where, especially the the deadline, it's 
it's a lot of money, but it's also a lot of money to find uh, in a very short amount of time, really. Um, obviously, the, the first deadline only allowed one real payday uh, for that. But, yeah, they have extended that, which is, okay, a slight positive, but still to have to renew by the end of March is a, a little bit strange. A lot of clubs won't have to have to renew until the middle of April or even even the start of May time. Um so I find that a little bit strange. But yeah, um obviously always expecting a price increase because of my age bracket. Um to see it hike up that much, it's pretty much paying double. Uh yeah, it is a little bit of a a, a tough pill to swallow, but yeah, I'm um I'm one fan that at the sort of stage I am in at, in my life where I don't have to I don't have kids or anything really massive to pay for in terms of a mortgage or anything like that. I'm lucky enough that I, I will hopefully be able to find the money by the end of next month. But obviously there are plenty of people that aren't necessarily as fortunate as me in that circumstance who will be scrambling around to find the money. And it's been pretty evident to see. And I hope, I hope that these are sort of comments that are just made in the in the heat of the moment and people um do actually find the money. But seeing people just very quick to say, all right, well that's me then. I'm I'm not renewing because the price hike, the the, the football's not been the best on the pitch this year. And yeah, I'd, I'd be very inclined to agree. And maybe it's because I'm just sort of anticipating and trying to be optimistic for next season with Carrick at the helm and with the ability to spend in the summer. I'm expecting us to give it a real good go in in next season. So that's that's sort of... In my mindset, but if you fast forward uh, in a year's time and the ambition hasn't been shown on the recruitment side and on the pitch, the product isn't the best, then uh, I might start having to uh, have a rethink because the, the price is a massive amount of money really to, to shell out. Um, I, I mean, I worked it out for me and yourself, Chris, it's £25.50 a game. And obviously if you go deep in cups, like we have this year, okay, it's been fortunate that a lot of those games have been away from home. If you have it the other way around where you play most of those at home, then that's another 50, 60, 70 quid on top of FA Cup, um, if you if you're in there as well, I mean even the playoffs was extra last last year. So look, it's it's a very expensive hobby. Um, going to support a football team, but yeah, I'm 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 under no sort of illusion that the the price hike is going to affect a, a lot of people, including me and yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think 
the problems really for me, there's a few real standout ones and, and the price is probably, I mean, you could probably, sorry, we could probably do a podcast just on the price increase. But I think what's perhaps annoyed me more is the fact that firstly, there was no thanks. There was, it was an email that almost felt like they just sent it out midday Monday, almost into everyone's inboxes and just thought, well, if they stumble across it, then, you know, they, they might not be very happy with it, but we'll sort of try and keep it a little bit under the radar. There was a complete lack of any PR slash marketing campaign as to why Middlesbrough fans should feel compelled to go and lay out that much money. There was, you know, in previous years, there's been words from the manager, there's been, you know, short little videos that have, you know, sometimes as, as daft as it sounds, when when you love a football club as much as, as what a lot of Middlesbrough fans do, watching a, a three-minute clip with some, you know, quite energetic music behind it and a few quotes which really get you gets your blood pumping and your uh, hairs on the back of your neck standing up is enough as, as daft as it sounds to make you think oh yeah I want to get on board for next season there wasn't that there was no explanation in the email as to why the price had gone up and we now know that's down to the sort of minimum wage going up and the operating costs and of course the effects of COVID but then again you know okay yes the club are running a football stadium and putting football matches on but also people have to heat their homes people have to feed children people have expenses for their own families and lives so you know everyone's in the same boat there um, and the the price look I mean for me, what a football club is, is and should be the the pillar of a town for a lot of people. And Middlesbrough certainly is for a lot of people. And for me, for an area that is struggling financially as much as Middlesbrough, there's a lot of people on Teesside that are you know, deprived and are struggling. And that is the reality of the area and not just the area, but the rest of the UK, but especially, you know, in Teesside. And there's a lot of hardworking people on Teesside with, with sometimes maybe just one escape a week and that's going to the football. And to hike the prices up in the area that we're in, just for me is a complete own goal from the club. It is completely tone deaf. It goes against really anything that the club has delivered over the past few years. We have, for the last few transfer windows, sold our better players for the most part and not replaced them. We have sold players even like Matt Crooks and there's been no replacement for him. Yes, he wasn't 
perhaps the first name on the team sheet, but it's another attacking player just just this season that's gone out the door and hasn't been replaced. And for me, with all of those different bits of context added into the whole situation, the least the fans deserved with all of the pricing increase for every age demographic was an explanation or a real selling point as to why this had happened and and why you know even though it has gone up why why should Middlesbrough fans commit and the announcement the email lacked any of that absolutely any of that and listen there was a, a sort of invite only I guess um, event that was held at the Russide uh, and Michael Carrick, Kieran Scott and, and the chairman Steve Gibson were in attendance and they spoke to a, a few different supporters groups um, and, and, and podcasts and you know we were not part of that so I, I can't really comment on what was said but from comments that we've seen that I've seen there was no sort of mention really as to whether or well whether at all if there was going to be an increase on on ticket prices and of course because that wasn't mentioned there was no explanation as to why that was going to be the case the middlesbrough supporters association also post the announcement basically admitted that they had no idea that there was going to be initially such a short turnaround from the pricing for the early bird tickets coming out and then obviously the initial date that they had to be paid for. Um, but as we say, that that has been put back, which is one positive, if you can call it that. And overall, it's just been probably what you'd class as a, a PR disaster for the club, to be honest. The average attendance at the Riverside this season is is finally getting back up to those high sort of 20,000. 20, and now, if the pricing remains the same, it's probably just going to drop straight back down. And can you blame supporters of the area for potentially just picking and choosing what games they'd like to attend rather than paying that season ticket price or that early bird price without a real significant reduction in the price they are paying without any sort of word from the club as to why they're paying that absolutely not absolutely not there's been around about 21 percent increase in season tickets in price over the past three seasons we are now one of the most expensive tickets in the division, near enough for all age groups. And from what you've seen this season and from the ambition shown in the last two transfer windows, do you think that's justified? Because I certainly don't. And even if, even if I did think it was justified, it's still a lot of money to put forward with no explanation as to the direction that the club's going to go in. So, yeah, I mean, we can now sort of move on to the fact that Red Faction of this evening come out and said they are staging a walkout in the 30th minute against Plymouth. 
they've made their feelings known. There was obviously a banner yesterday at Leicester away, which I, I know that you told me about, and I think has, has made its way onto social media, so people will be aware of that, expressing their um, anger, really, at the price increase and the price of football for the area. And I completely really echo the sort of anger and the the sentiment of that banner because as I say for me the football club in an area should sort of reflect that and the pricing and the people that live in that area and after that announcement it's become very clear to me that the people that make these decisions quite clearly aren't quite aware of some of the struggle in the area and the fact that the football should be an affordable escape and something that can be enjoyed for a full family. Yeah, I think I think that you've got it bang on, Chris, throughout what you've spoken about there. And in all honesty, I think what will be very interesting to to sort of see and investigate over the next sort of couple of months is other teams in this division and their season ticket pricing. And the one in particular that I'm very interested to look at is Sunderland because they are the team that are closest to us in terms of region. Um, obviously, we're sort of very similar to them in, in the sense of we're both very sort of working class areas, both in the north of England, both have areas of deprivation in and around the town. And yeah, okay, I understand that there will be different factors um, between their season ticket and ours. Obviously, their commercial revenue is a lot bigger than ours because they are a bigger club than us. They have a bigger stadium. They have more fans than us. That's just how it is. Um, but I want to see what their season ticket prices look like because in terms of on the pitch, there's not a whole lot difference between the two sides really so just going off on the pitch product i uh I, I want to see what what those season ticket prices will look like um and yeah obviously these season ticket prices have been raised with the expectation and it's it, it's not even just expectation it's just a little bit of realism that Middlesbrough are going to be in the championship next season. So we're probably going to be the most expensive season to get in the championship because Sheffield Wednesday are probably on the verge of, of going down in the league one and they've got the most expensive currently. And the sides in the Premier League, uh, Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton, all charge currently less than we do. Uh, for our season tickets, so yeah, look, it's it's a complete and utter disaster. Um, and I echo Red Faction's banner yesterday. Obviously, as mentioned, I was there firsthand, saw it yesterday. MFC, a bit of advice, lower your price. Yeah, yeah, and and just a point that you 
you made I, I'd like to touch on around sort of the commercial aspect of a football club. Agreed, Sunderland, as much as we'd all hate to admit it, we do hate to admit it, Sunderland are a bigger football club and there is probably more room there for, you know, bigger financial, commercial deals. And that's just the harsh truth. But also Middlesbrough are asking fans to foot the bill of what they describe as increasing costs, of course, the increasing costs of minimum wage for staff um, on match days as well. And for me, as a football club and all the points I've made, I would be looking more from a commercial aspect on how we could improve in terms of sponsorship deals rather than relying on a group of fans who have been very loyal throughout, not the best of periods historically for the club, to basically pay the difference and look that is way above my pay grade in terms of look I'm not I'm not claiming to be any expert in terms of commercial deals or anything like that but it's something as a club that I would be looking at and thinking well how can we improve on that so that we don't have to consistently ask fans to pay the difference when prices inevitably go up that's just one thing that I think you know, I don't know if that's been discussed. Obviously, as I say, we, we weren't at the, the evening with some of the other supporters groups and, and uh, fan groups. And I, I will say for, for fan groups or for anyone listening that might be a part of that, me and Nathan are always open to being involved in those discussions. Look, I'm not by any means claiming that we should be or we're entitled to, but, you know, with a, a following that Baropolis has gained, then by all means, I, I would personally like to share those sorts of encounters between the club and fans to uh, as big of an audience as possible because fans deserve to know that kind of information. So, yeah, by all means, do get in contact. If not, then that's absolutely fine as well. But the the hand is out there for the potential, I guess. Um, but yeah, Nathan, look, it's a, it's a topic we both feel strongly about. We are both paying fans. And as you say, I just want to say as well that because of our age, we are very much in a position where we are fortunate because we are both living at home. Yes, we both did work, of course, and we earn money and, and pay for tickets like the majority of other people do. But also we're in a fortunate position where we aren't paying hundreds and hundreds of pounds for our children. We don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds on other expenses to the extent that some other people do. So, I mean, this is just our opinion and us looking at the wider sort of situation but you know people might listen to this and think we're tone deaf we might have not covered this in the best way possible but we try to be as open and honest and thoughtful um about the way we were going to approach this and i feel like we've spent nearly half an hour on this now so i think we will leave it there we've given our opinions you may disagree you may agree but that's just our thoughts on it as two paying fans who sit every week for an hour and basically give their thoughts on the club. So yeah, we'll leave it there, Nathan. 
half an hour in, we haven't spoke about a football match yet. We do have to rewind a little bit from yesterday, Nathan, before we, we talk about that win. Preston on Wednesday night. I mean, after Monday, it was... It wasn't a good watch. Um, and it was probably the last result that the, the club and the, the mood amongst the fan base really needed. But it did happen. Thankfully, we're in a position now where we got yesterday's result to lighten it a little bit. But as far as Borough's season goes and their aims of getting in the playoffs, it did feel following the conclusion of that game on Wednesday that that was Middlesbrough done, really, didn't it? And if you'd have watched that performance, you'd have probably said, well, they don't deserve to be anywhere near the playoffs in any case. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, it's been it's been done for a, a good few weeks anyway. But yeah, look, you you playing a side that are in and around during the table. Okay, they won uh, last weekend away at Cardiff. Another side that is somehow in and around us in the table, um, <clears throat> and yeah, uh, for the early stages of the game, we did well knock the ball around and as we do just just keep the ball away from sides but as spoken about last week we can keep the ball all we want if we don't create enough chances it's not even a case of just creating one and we'll, we'll we might score it it's we're gonna have to create a good few chances for us to score um because we're not that clinical in front of goal um if we don't create those chances, we will get punished. And look, Preston had one one chance in the first half and scored it. Uh, it wasn't the best effort that I've ever seen either. Miller's just struck it with his left foot. Okay, Clark may slightly be in the eye line of, of Glover and that may sort of get in the way a little bit and, and and stop him from judging where the ball's going. But yeah, goes in that near corner, uh, a, a truly crap goal to concede. Um, and yeah, we, we went into the break, didn't expect to get anything out of the second half, if I'm honest. Uh, you, you heard my ne negativity last week and my pessimism going into this game. Um, and look, we had a discussion at half time about a, a couple of players, um, as Asim agree, and them trying to do things, but both of them not really in the game. And then in the second half, they did get into the game. Um, McGree trying to make things happen, driving forward from midfield, as as trying to play a couple of incisive passes, and obviously we get that goal. Azaz, great finish. Happy for him as well, really, because it has been a little bit of a tough time for him uh, for him since he's come in the door. Obviously, everyone's expecting him to turn into the second coming of I don't even know what as soon as he walks in the door. But yeah, it um it it does take time and now we're starting to see him find his feet in a Middlesbrough shirt, and that's fantastic to see 
obviously sidesteps and buries the ball in the top corner. And you think, oh, well, we're back in the game. Great finish. 1-1. Surely we're the team to kick on now. No. It just typical Borough. You you get yourself back in the game and within two minutes, you're 2-1 down again. And obviously it's that man, Emil Reese Should have had a bet on him, um, if I'm honest. Like I said last week, um, absolutely nailed on. I think that's 6-6 six and six against Borough now. Um, yeah. The, the goal as it comes is truly just catastrophic. Clark tries to play a pass forward. It has no legs on it. Preston take all of it, drive forward, and the midfielders fail to track Reese, who's running from deep. Um, and Luke Thomas is asleep as well. No one wants to track him and run that ball, uh, sorry, run it into the box. The lad has a shot, cannons off Vandenberg. Obviously, Glover's anticipating the shot, so he's already dived. So it makes it him look pathetic uh, for this goal. And obviously, the ball just falls perfectly on Emil Reese's toe, right in his stride, because why wouldn't it? It wouldn't fall slightly behind him. Um, yeah, straight in his path, taps it in the back of the net. And that was... All she wrote in terms of action, apart from both of our midfielders now being injured now for the rest of the season. What a true, true, true shit all deep deal is. Um, yeah, honestly, just just on them, Emil Reese. I hope he goes abroad in the summer because I don't want him here and I don't want him to score against us next season, which is nailed on for the most part. And it's it's weird because a lot of championship fans have have come up with this opinion on Preston as the season's gone on, which is the shit, but they just continue to get results, which fair play to them. I don't know how it happens. Um, but that's just me being completely honest. And just sort of lastly, I understand that the weather in this country's not been the best over the last couple of months, but deep deal. A championship club with that pitch is is unforgivable. It it was honestly pathetic. It was like a bog. Yeah, honestly, yeah, um, yeah. Just, just, yeah. One of them things. One of them evenings. Um, I I was pessimistic going into the game, but then seeing us put in the performance we put in with the ability to just pass the ball and do nothing really with it. Um, and then to see what they had to offer, which was Nout. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very frustrating to to continue to see these sides that are above us in the table. And you just think these aren't even any good. Well, yeah. actually, a, a team like Preston, and it's funny that you should say, you know, the large majority of championship fans who have it sounds very much sour grapes from our side and it might part well be that but a large majority of teams who have played against Preston have all had the same assumption really um, and, and that is that they're not actually very good and I think that probably speaks volumes as to 
the way that Middlesbrough played and, and have done at times this season because we thumped them once and made them look really bad. We've been beat off them once and also made them look really bad. And, yeah, listen, Preston aren't a great side, but on Middlesbrough, I think I've described it as wishy-washy, the attacking um, front line on Wednesday night. We obviously saw Riley McGree and Azaz somewhat come into the game in the second half, and, and those were probably the two sort of standout performances but as you say, very sort of similar in regards to the forward line again. Sam Greenwood as that central striker. And I must say, we said uh, after the Sunderland game that we wouldn't be opposed to seeing him play there a little bit more often. I think it's fair to say that Sam Greenwood must have just really got himself up for that Sunderland game because since that game, his striking performances have been off the boil. Um, he does chase and harry things. He gets caught offside a lot. He's very frustrating. But apart from that, he's not a striker. Um, and that's not his fault, but he's not. Again, you know, we saw sort of neat and tidy passes, the, the occasional threaded pass, the occasional look of a team that, that might go and score a goal and then it would break down and we'd probably go back or a pass would be intercepted and we'd just sort of be a little bit, oh, well, that pass is being cut out, so we'll go back to the centre-half and we'll we'll regroup and we'll, uh, we'll recycle the ball. And that has really been a theme for a lot of the season. And, and yeah, I mean... For me, watching that on Wednesday, even when force, you know, has been effective on the right over Michael Carrick's tenure, a lot of the time he'll score a goal and he'll get into that position because he's playing off the right and it's a great contribution. But largely, he's, his general play is pretty ineffective. And I think, look, we don't really have anyone else to play that position currently. But if and when Isaiah Jones returns, I'd, I'd really just love to see Marcus, uh, Marcus Force play central. Because it's it, it really is strange me saying this because... You know, on one hand, I, I'm saying that he, he will score goals. He's proven that he can score goals from that position. But I just feel like he'd score more playing centrally. And again, like I said with Sam Greenwood, it's not especially his fault because he's being played there. And he's probably the best option we have there. But when we have options back, please, for the love of God, don't play him on the right wing because I think he could be a lot more effective centrally. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a game that you want to forget as soon as possible, but unfortunately it's going to stick in the mind now because it looks as though Johnny House and Anne Hayden Hackney are both going to be out for large spells. And although we don't know to the extent that they are injured at the moment from 
the same sorts of people which leak the team on Saturday morning, we are seeing claims that their seasons could both be done uh, or near enough done. And yet, that's just speculation. It is. But then we heard Michael Carrick's comments yesterday who said, neither look good. And if Michael Carrick says something like that, a lot of the time it means it's going to be a couple of months. So, yeah, I mean, the the real injury cherry on the shit cake that we've had all season in regards to injuries Two really, really key players, and there will be really big misses, even despite a, a relatively positive display from both midfielders yesterday against Leicester. But there's still huge absences, and they will be for the remainder of this season. Um, look, if I'm honest, I don't want to talk about Preston anymore. I think when we finish this season, we'll probably look back at games like that, and it'll be the story of the season. Because there's a moment of brilliance in there from Finazaz, but then we concede two absolute, just disgusting goals. And a team that we've had the large majority of the possession against have come away with all three points. And it's just, it makes you feel sick, it really does. So to be honest, you maybe expect you might have listened to this podcast for long enough and thought, well, they're not going to give us cutting edge analysis. They might try, but they, you know, we tune in for a different reason. For me, that's Preston done now. I want it. I want it to be a thing in the past because we've been going forty-one minutes now, and that there's been one positive, if I can think of that, and that's just the fact that the extension got added to the early bird prices. So even that's not a huge positive. Let's just talk about Leicester, Nathan, because that was good yesterday, wasn't it? It was really a nice shock and the epitome of typical Borough. Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, just one of them afternoons, I suppose, where you rock up with absolutely no faith and, yeah, something strange happens. Um, I'll run you through my, my brief sort of morning, which was wake up, load up Twitter, see that the team's leaked, think, well, this doesn't look good. Um, Drove down yesterday, actually, first time. I've done a proper mission drive as well to an away game. Um, So on the way down, obviously I'd seen the team, went with my brother yesterday, he hadn't seen the team. I said, I don't want to break it to you, now that we're halfway down here, but I've seen the team, told him the team, he said, well, shit, this doesn't look any good. Uh, got parked, atmosphere's fine in the pub, um, lovely, getting the away end, just packed out. Just This club is just ridiculous. In the week that we've had, um, season ticket prices, just... The, the results of late and you take 3,000 away to the absolute runaway leaders, champions elect. And yeah, just the noise was fantastic. Red faction, obviously there, a couple of new chants as well. Fair play to them for getting them going. The away end was in fine voice um, all afternoon. And 
yeah, it's it's a real sort of eye opener when you see some of the sides in this division. Uh, Leicester, obviously, as mentioned, winning the league at an absolute canter this year, and just deaf, deafening silence for for full ninety minutes. Incredibly, incredibly poor. Um, and the stadium was half empty on eighty minutes as well. I un- I understand. Yeah, you can leave whenever, but just yeah, not not for me. When you you're that sort of high up the table, you've absolutely battered us in terms of possession all afternoon. You're still creating chances. Your players are knocking them over the bar from five yards out, and. Yeah, you, you nearly get yourselves back into the game, albeit when you've all left the ground already. So, yeah, that's that's enough of them anyway. But more on us. Obviously, the team came out. I'm not going to run through it, but the the change of shape, five at the back, two in midfield, McGree and Azaz as your two tens, supporting Silvera as your sort of auxiliary front man. And do you want to know what? To a man, every single one of them, just utterly, utterly brilliant. Putting the hearts and souls on the line uh, for the cause yesterday afternoon. Stood there like brick walls, fought for every loose ball. And that's all you can ask, I suppose, when you go to a side like Leicester, who are going to dominate the ball. Um, Yeah, it was... It was a different different performance. Backs against the wall. And look, I'm not going to say that we were perfect all afternoon at defending. Look, Leicester should have scored two or three, really. Vestergaard should score. Daka should score in the first half. Um, Obviously, in the second half, Vestergaard knocks one over the bar. I thought it was McAteer at the time. It's actually Vestergaard. Vardy knocks one over the bar from a couple of yards. It, look, in that case, it could have technically been five. But, yeah, we, we but did... But it wasn't, Nathan. But it That's... wasn't. It wasn't. You're right. We we stood stood firm and we played some, some really sort of good stuff at times on the transition. Um, I thought in the first half... After last week's showing, and I'll hold my hands up about the pair of them, Barlasser and O'Brien last week in in midfield against Bristol City were absolutely woeful. And then yesterday afternoon, they looked like different players. Really, Barlasser for like I'm not I'm not even trying to be awful here, but for the first time, I'm seeing him fly around and like put tackles in. Getting in, getting stuck into Dewsbury Hall, who obviously is their sort of creative man in midfield, probably their best player. And in all honesty, over the two games that we've played against them, it, it it's been as if he hasn't been on the pitch because we've done a job on him. Uh, in both games, it was Housen in the first game, and Balasser and O'Brien yesterday. Um. Yeah, Lewis O'Brien yesterday as well. The best I've seen him play in a Borussia. He he put in a performance yesterday of which 
me and yourself thought we were going to be getting from him when he first joined the club. And of course, he's had his injuries and things like that. And even yesterday in his post-match press conference, um, he'd sort of said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fit, but not 100% still. Um, and my God, if we get 100% fit, Lewis O'Brien would be frightening, won't he? He was... He was so- like a little ginger Duracell bunny all afternoon. He was everywhere. He was. And just sort of moving on from, from the chances just to go on to our goals, he played a, a really big part in that first goal. Um, the ball gets played into him. He knocks it out wide to Engel. And do you want to know what I love is he can see that Fass is the one that's right up his backside. And obviously he slid in and tried to make a challenge and he's ended up in front of O'Brien and he's made that dart and running behind straight away. He knows he's got on him. And just a shout on Vestergaard as well. What an absolute cart horse he is. He can't, like genuinely imagine him playing up against like a, a Premier League centre forward next year. What a donkey he is. Uh, trying to step up, but he can't because he can't shift. He's got absolutely no legs, bless him. Um, yeah, O'Brien in behind, and you're just hoping when you're in that way, and the ball's got to be perfect. Please make the ball perfect. And honestly, the the finish from Azaz on second look and third look and fourth look and fifth look um, is terrific. terrific. It's a great finish to, to sort of dink it into that top corner. I didn't even know who scored at the time. I thought it was Silvera. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great finish. Confuse those two, to be honest. I must admit, but uh, yeah, it was a terrific finish, and I can only imagine seconds later you were a few rows down. To be honest, yeah, yeah, it was um, it was quite the away end when that goal went in. It was more sort of shock um, that we were ahead. But after being at Leeds away this season as well, I wasn't celebrating as much as I may have wanted to, obviously expecting some sort of response quickly. Um, But yeah, we, we, we sort of just sat sat in a little bit, got, got sort of rid of the adre- adrenaline of scoring the goal and, and got our heads back on, got focused again. And obviously, then they get that throw in. Justin knocks it to the lad. The lad knocks it just straight back to him, or at least attempts attempts to. McGree does really well to anticipate the pass back and anticipate um, that the lad is putting out on the ball. I mean, Justin... A bit poor from him. His reaction isn't the best that he just stops and lets McGree just glide past him. Um, but then McGree's pass with the the outside of his left foot into Silvera's path and then his touch and just his finish. Just get it on target. That's what you hope from your centre forward. And he's leathered it into that far corner. And yeah, seeing the, the scoreboard say Leicester nil Middlesbrough two at half time and 
with the limited signal that I get in the ground, getting mates from, uh, getting messages from lads from uni, um, Reading fans and Lincoln fans saying, he's a killing my accumulator here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's truly fantastic stuff. Um, it made it all the more sweeter the, the fact that everyone knew that we absolutely ruined most people's bets yesterday. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest, including myself. Um, <laughs> so there you go. I love it. I went when you're on the winning side because even if you aren't winning the uh, <laughs> the money, at least you're getting something out of it. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, do you know what, as well, Nathan, we should say that despite um, Silvera obviously adding to the, the the initial goal in doubling the lead, Lewis O'Brien actually has a chance before Silvera's um, goal to put Silvera through and, and get a second. And actually, one of the few mistakes he made all afternoon because he gets his pass wrong and it gets cut out at the time I was ready to boot pictures of my own family there sat nicely in the living room round because it was so infuriating. But, I mean, that was a chance in itself. And what Middlesbrough did so well yesterday, as you said, in transition, was they picked the moments and when they pounced on the mistakes and the high line that Leicester have. And we pounced on it a lot in a different manner against them at the other side. Of course, Sam Greenwood smashes an absolute worldie in. But we pounced on that high line so well yesterday and everything was, I know it's it's silly for me to say this because nothing's ever really perfection, but it it almost was perfect that we, we picked and chose those right moments to go right, we're going to go. Like you said with O'Brien, he gets it so right for the first goal, nearly gets it right when he should probably make the pass to Silvera. And then again, that little bit of quality from Riley McGree with the outside of his foot. And Sammy Silvera, for all his critics, what I will say is if you listen to this podcast a week ago, I said that I think it's a case of when a player doesn't really play and then everyone sort of makes that player better in the mind and wants them to play because they haven't seen him for a while. And actually, Sammy Silvera uh, last week, obviously with a really convincing finish against Bristol City, rewarded with a... Uh, well, he wasn't rewarded with a start against Preston, but he was rewarded with a start against Leicester. And he takes the goal really well. And actually, when you think back to some of those really huge chances that he missed early on this season, um, Coventry away, Huddersfield at home, and then you think of some of the finishes, Norwich away, obviously yesterday... Um, even Exeter in the Cup, there is flashes from Sammy Silvera. And I must say, out of our summer signings, apart from the obvious ones, which haven't really contributed at all, Sammy Silvera has been the one that I've probably been most... not underwhelmed by because he wasn't really sort of coming to the club with huge expectation. But what we are seeing is that he can certainly have an impact, whether it's off the bench or in a game like yesterday where, you know, he's he's in the team to chase and hurry and then try and take the chance if he gets it. There is certain attributes in his game where you think 
yeah, I can kind of see what's what the scouts have seen here and what the recruitment team have, have gambled on, really, because he he was a big gamble from a a league which isn't really sort of utilised from a lot of clubs in terms of the Australian league. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a really good finish in fairness to Silvera. Yeah, and honestly, I thought he had a really good game yesterday. Some of his runs in behind, especially in that second half when I'm I'm sort of um, closer to the action in that corner at, at Leicester, I thought some of his runs were very good. And at times, those runs were perhaps, you could say, mistimed. But actually, I think that the pass from some of the players should have been earlier when he's making those runs. Um, look, you, you know he's got pace and he's he's running into a load of space behind Vestergaard, who, as mentioned, turns like the Titanic. So he, he's going to have the beating of him and he's going to get onto that loose ball on the on the other end. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought he had a really good game yesterday. Um, but what I will say on Silvera is... He had a good game against a side where there's a lot of space in behind. Whereas, for the most part, for Middlesbrough games, when we're playing at home against Plymouth, like next week, we will be the team with all the ball and it'll be up to us to try and break them down. And that'll mean Sammy Silvera having to stand up against is his man and try and take him on. And I'm yet to be too convinced by him in that sense. So I think that's the perfect assessment of Sammy Silvera, I'll be honest, that you've just given. Yeah. So I think yesterday he was perfect for the game, suited it really, really well and did a great job. But we'll have to wait and see whether he does sort of use that performance yesterday as a catapult to make him uh an even better option for for Borough than he than he has been currently so yeah um there were as as mentioned a few instances in that second half where Borough did have chances to play players in behind um and i mean another goal in the second half in front of that away and would have killed the game but my honest assessment of the second half as a fan that was in the away end was looking at the clock and thinking every five minutes, get to 50 minutes, get to 55, get to 60, and just watching the clock slowly tick down. Um, it's just sort of thinking in my own head, if they don't get a goal by 85, I think we're all right here. And my brother my brother said something to me at 83 minutes. He said, I'm just looking at that clock. And I and I had like a little emotional outburst. I said, yeah, I know I've been doing it for like the full half. And then I said, just get away 88 and we'll be fine. Literally the next ball over the top, Vardy's in. And it was the most typical Jamie Vardy goal I've ever seen just knew he was going to score that like every Jamie Vardy goal that you've ever seen him score in the Premier League is like that where he's running bearing down on goal just to the right hand side of the goal 
and you know exactly what finish he's going with as well into that far corner, slightly lofted off the ground so that the keeper's trailing leg doesn't clip it. And you just think, shit, this is not going to go our way, is it? It's going to be one of them afternoons that you'd see everyone on social media absolutely melt that Borough have dropped points after being 2-0 up away at Leicester and the the other 85 minutes of the game are going to be completely forgotten about because of five minutes of chaotic madness. So I spent the final eight minutes of the game, which were from 86 onwards to the 94, sat down watching through gaps of people stood ahead of me because I, I couldn't bear to look. It was honestly the most painful near 10 minutes of, of, of my recent football memory, really. Genuinely, Chelsea at home wasn't that painful. No, it, it was It was shocking how long <laughs> those 10 minutes felt. It was really, really, really bad. Um, and then seeing Winks hike that cross into the box deep, and seeing no blue shirts around Glover and just seeing the clock tick to 94 and 10 seconds and the whistle go to the referee's lips and you just think, get in there, finally. It's done three points on the road. The only team currently to do the double over Leicester, they are playing Leeds away on Friday, so it'll be maybe short-lived. But, yeah, it, it was it was a top afternoon in a packed-out away end, a lively away end as well. And, yeah, it, it, it's just completely typical Borough, as mentioned at the start of the podcast, going there with absolutely no hope, no faith, and just... When they're about to lose you, they just pull you back in. They yeah. just pull you back in. And it is, it's horrible because I, I'd got the point where I didn't want them to pull me back in. I was just happy to just arrange plans for for other events that I wanted to, to do and go and see and go to places on weekends when we were away from home. But now I'm looking at Stoke away in a couple of weeks going, yeah. Maybe I fancy that. I quite little trip to the potteries. And I'm yeah. looking and I'm looking at them them next couple of fixtures and thinking, do you want to know what? Yeah, why we can't, can't we? There's no reason why we can't win sort of three or four on the bounce now. Yeah, I've had exactly the same thoughts to be honest, Nathan. Ex- exactly the same thoughts. So you know what? I'm sure we won't be the only ones. And uh yeah, in a week with very few positives, you kind of we really needed that, didn't we? And and I think it, it showed from the emotion at the end of the game. And I mean, those fist bumps from Michael Carrick. You saw them at Sheffield United away. It's been too long since I've seen that. Because you've said about watching the goal three, four, five, six times. I think I could well be in the hundreds with that Michael Carrick clip. It's the fact that he even sort of baits out the away end with a little grin. And obviously, 
you see it on the video that he know he knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a cheeky grin on his face. He turns away and he's thinking, they honestly think that I'm not going to go and give this stacks. And then obviously he only <laughs> three. I think he goes two sort of underarms and then he just goes with the overhand right. And it's just perfect, really. It really is perfect viewing, to be honest. And just on Michael Carrick, and I think transitioning into the Plymouth game, it was really interesting that he said post-Preston that something's got to change. And I think that's probably as strong as Carrick's been since we've, we've been on this run of form, really, that, you know, we, we might have spells in the game. We might, you know, the lads give it the role. And, and he's, he's sometimes guilty of saying that, probably in the wrong circumstances. But after pressing, he was strong. And he said, Some, something is going to have to change. And although it was Leicester, there was an obvious change of system. We obviously saw the back three. And I must say, Paddy McNair, in a skip by yesterday, regardless of the formation change, regardless of what goes on to happen with his contract situation, I want Paddy McNair in the Middlesbrough team on a consistent basis and I'll make a claim I actually think we're a better team with him in there and I hope he gets another year to be honest and I know it's probably more so down to the financials but he's been a really good servant and he he, he used to when he was in the team get a lot of unfair criticism and I think for me yesterday it made me realise that actually Paddy McNair is a really good defender at this level and that's my opinion. Some people might not agree, but I, I just think on the ball, he offers us so much. And, you know, he, he is capable as a championship defender of being a little bit rash at times. But I think more often than not, and especially in a back three, you're going to get at least a 7 out of 10 from Paddy McNair. And on that topic, really, with Paddy McNair in the back five, it's going to be interesting now to see going into the Plymouth game how we approach this because you wouldn't really expect Middlesbrough against a team like Plymouth without sounding disrespectful, even though I just have sounded disrespectful by that term phrase. You're not really expecting to play a back five and soak up pressure and sort of counter-attack. But actually, Middlesbrough's best performances this season have come in that manner. And they've been against better teams. Yes, they have. But then you sort of think, do Middlesbrough have it within themselves at home as well, where we've struggled this season, to then go and flip it on its head, go back to a four and be really convincing with the possession that we're probably going to have in that game. It's an interesting one because the back five, it's not really something that you'd expect to see. And I don't think we will see it against Plymouth. But then how does this team transition and who also misses out on that back five? Because Rav Vandenberg yesterday, he just gets better each week. He's he's 19 years old and he's just, he will go on for, go on. And, and he could have as well, by the way, before he'd even, before he'd even signed for Middlesbrough, he will go on and play for a top, top European club. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And I think he's got a, a, a much higher ceiling than anyone in that squad. To be honest, I'm I'm going all out on Rav Vandenberg, and I'm getting the pajamas that Kieran Scott was on about on the Twelve Man podcast. But yeah, he's probably a definite. But then Paddy McNair, Matt Clark, we don't know when Dale Fry is going to become available again. It, it it certainly is an interesting one. 
Yeah, it is. Um, honestly, I think that I'd probably have Paddy in there, um, just because for for Plymouth, I think, and I know it's a little bit sort of bad to say, but I think Clark just lacks that little bit of pace that will probably be needed against Plymouth with them looking to transition quickly and especially with Whitaker, their best player, playing on that side up against Engel and up against Clark, if it, if he was on that side, then I think we're gonna need a little bit of extra pace uh out there. So I think I'd opt for McNair uh on Saturday. Yeah, the the back three is a great sort of system for us in those games where we are going to be up against it. Uh, and I think we will probably see it later on in the season, obviously squad permitting because everyone goes down with injuries. We might only have one centre-half by then. Um, but yeah, Leeds, Southampton, Ipswich, uh, all to come in, in April. So we may see... Um, a spell in April where we, we use that system quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it, it would be interesting to see if he did go with that same system against Plymouth. I think one thing that could be good uh, with that system, if it was used at home, is Jones at right wing back. Because then you have that pace and an outlet down that side to to get our players down that side, providing the width. He'll literally be on the on the touchline like he was under Wilder. And I don't necessarily think that teams would be putting three players on him anymore. Uh so it it, it could be a, a good option to to use um if and when uh he is back. Um I think for Saturday we'll probably see a little bit of difference in team selection, really. I think Force will be back in the side um, on on Saturday. Um, to be honest, it, the change will be Force for Matt Clark. Maybe, yeah. But if, he, if he goes with Silvera still in the side... Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. On just, that, just on that, Nathan. Do you think that, given his performance against Leicester as the the auxiliary sort of striker in that formation, would you be possibly tempted to keep him there or with force? We've spoken about it. It's the topic consistently on a weekly basis, really. On on social media and on all Borough podcasts. Do, do you put Silvera on the wing and try force through the middle or do you think Michael Carrick would stick with force and and, and go with Silvera through that, that central role again? It is a really interesting one. Um, I think what Carrick would do in, in your personal opinion and my personal opinion probably differ, to be honest. Yeah, I think they do. Um, but obviously we saw... Yesterday, McGree for the goal, the second goal, operating off that right hand side. 
And obviously he has done that before when we did have Aaron Ramsey. So there is the possibility of Riley McGree playing on that right-hand side, as as in the 10, Silvera on the left and Force up front. However, we are yet to see Force up front. So it's pretty much in the nicest way a nothing topic because... We were going to say it, we'd have seen it by now, really. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front. But it, it's going to be a, a very interesting game on, on Saturday, for sure. Obviously, coming off the back of beating Leicester, um, you've got Plymouth at home, and they've won one away game all season. So it'd be absolutely typical, Borough, uh, to revert to type. So we'll have to wait and see. If not, and we do go on, get a good result then um yeah we 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 could be we might we we might be back and we might be looking up the table again um obviously there's there's some i I just want was going to say there i think if and it's a huge if and i i I have re i think i said it a few podcasts ago now i've kind of accepted that this season's done really but if Middlesbrough are going to put together some ridiculous run, like we have seen Middlesbrough teams under Michael Carrick do, this is going to have to be a game where you go on and you you add to that three points yesterday. You can't go and draw the game. You can't go and put up a, a one one of those performances where you throw everything at it and you, you just don't quite get the three points. It has to be three points. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and obviously the the sort of added context to it is there's going to be little fans behind that goal uh, for, for for half of the game. Um, so, well, that is unless something Change. strange happens this week and the club... Uh, do have conversations um, with certain people. So, yeah, it'll certainly be a strange game. Um, If, I mean, look, I'm just sort of in the, the camp of, I don't really expect anything uh, anymore because you, you, you just don't want to be let down if you have sort of positive expectation. So my hope is that we are able to get a result on Saturday, a positive win that is plain and simply just following up uh, a great result at Leicester with another win. And then hopefully you can you can kickstart a little bit of a run and and see where it takes you, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we've gone up and down in this podcast. We, I mean, we largely have it's been quite negative in all honesty, but we've had a strong finish, Nathan, and hopefully, really, that's sort of the season of of Borough's, uh, the, sorry, the season of Borough's, the story of Borough's season, because we did have a terrible start, but it'd be really nice to have a strong finish and uh, and, and see where that takes us or even just build up some, some momentum going into next season, because... As we well know now, it's going to be uh, top dollar to go and watch the team next season. So it best be half decent. Um, 
yeah, Nathan, we've we've gone on for quite a while now. We're approaching the one hour twenty minute mark. So I am uh, just bearing in mind those people that have probably listened to this or, or even if they've got to the end, fair play. So I'm going to wrap it up there, Nathan. Thank you ever so much for your time. Uh, as always, thank you to those of you that have watched and listened. If you've got to this point in the podcast, please do comment or just make it known because you deserve extra credit. And I don't know how we can give you that, but if you have, fair, fair play. Um, you're hearing my voice now saying fair play. So hopefully that's a, a small win for you if you've got to this stage. But yeah, uh, as always, if you watch on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. Audio platforms, please do rate and review. And a strong finish to the podcast, Nathan. Hopefully a strong end to the season. Yeah, thank you ever so much for those that have watched and listened. And hopefully we'll see you again next week with a really positive, broadless podcast. Fire, fire, fire!